Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. All marks of good stewardship. First Sunday, I was at Lobro. I talked about stewardship and faithfulness. And I said that faithfulness is the feet upon which stewardship stands. Faithfulness is the feet upon which stewardship stand. And you remember that we spend, a lot of us, when we minister on, on stewardship, we always, we've always gone to that First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says that, moreover, it is required for a steward to be what? To be faithful. It is required in stewardship that a man be found faithful. Now, I'm not going to talk about stewardship, but I just feel I'm going to do a brief review. You know that word required there is very important. That word required means it is mandatory. Okay? It is mandatory in stewardship that a man, a woman, be found faithful. It is mandatory. It is not optional. Okay? It is not optional. This is not non-negotiable. Okay? For us, for me, for you to be a good steward of God, it is required. It's a, it's, it's a mandatory requirement. And then the, Sunday, the second Sunday after that, I was at our church in Nottingham, and I spoke about stewardship and obedience. I actually talk about stewardship, trust, and obedience. The Lord told us that our stewardship, and this is very important, our stewardship ultimately brings us to a place of worship and a place of hardship. I didn't say war, worship, like you lift up your hand. I'm saying war. Your stewardship brings you to a place of war and hardship. Now, obviously, as a steward, you have, you have a privilege. In fact, the other places that we read, okay, that place that I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, let me go back to it because I may not get there, I can as well mention it. Because that 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay? We are stewards of the mystery of God. I'm going to mention something about that when I go to the third the Bible says that we are carrying something that is precious. And if you read 1 Peter chapter 4, it said we are, minist- we are steward of the manifold, many-sided grace of God. And you need to understand that by the reason of our position and by the reason of our relationship, we, your stewardship will bring you to a place of worship and a place of hardship. And that there is somebody that don't like you because of what you stand for and because of the blessing of God upon your life. So stewardship is a place of great privilege, but stewardship is also a place of great responsibility, and your stewardship will bring you to a place of challenge. And the good thing what we're learning then is that the man for whom has called you to be a steward actually knew that stewardship, your stewardship will bring you to that place, so he has equipped you. In your stewardship, it's also an equipping for you to overcome the challenge that your stewardship brings. And it was necessary for us to state this because oftentimes some people put their stewardship under wrap and key because they are afraid of the challenges that the stewardship brings them face-to-face with. And I was wondering whether that third servant that was given one talent was like that. Now rather than, because look, when we said, we said the master gave one five talent and he, he traded with it. We need to understand that, it, that there, there was a risk involved in trading with the five talents you are given. Right. It's not that they find it easy to gain another five talents, but they overcame the challenges and the demand of going to trade with the money 
But the other one decided that the best thing is to hide it. And I've seen people hide their talent. I've seen people hide the grace of God upon their life because I don't want people to talk about me. I don't want, sorry? Oh, I'm not a pastor. Okay? And, and that, was the, that was what the Lord was talking to us. And the question God was asking us that day is that what does it take to obey God in evil and difficult days? And then the Thursday after that, I was still at the, at the headquarter church. On Thursday after that, I was talking about stewardship and diligence. The fact that our stewardship has brought us to a place of challenge and the fact of our, our stewardship demands diligence. And one of the things the Lord was telling us there, that diligence actually have two prongs. It's two sides. That number one, diligence talk about your skill. But also, diligence talk about your readiness. You know, some people are skilled, but they are not ready. So we were breaking through that word that was used for diligence in the original word of the Bible. And we saw that diligence actually means you are skilled, but that skill in itself does not totally describe your diligence. But you see, some people are, some people, some people are keen, but they have no skill. Thank God for them, because if they are keen, maybe we can train them as long as they are teachable. The problem I have with some people that are keen is that they, they actually don't have a, a, they don't have a particular idea of them. So I've been of one of many people who go to, so you think you can sing, or Britain Kirtanen, sort of these people think that they are the next singer, and they open their mouth and say, oh my God, <laughs> what was that? Even I can sing better than that, you know? <laughs> some people are keen, but no skill, but some people have all the skill. They are not keen. But diligence means that you have the skill and you are, applying, you are getting your hands dirty. You are, you are keen, you are doing the job. So we, we, that was what we were talking about. And last Sunday, I was at Derby by the grace of God. And we talked about stewardship and accountability. And that is where what I said before was very important, that your stewardship actually brings you to a place of power. Now, we talk about stewardship bringing you to a place of war and a place of hardship, but actually your stewardship also brings you to a place of power, and that is where accountability comes in, so that we don't abuse and misuse our stewardship, because we will give account. As I was ministering in Derby last week, I just said, you know what, this week I was going to talk about wisdom. So actually I've titled today Stewardship and Discipleship. That's what I want to talk about today. But actually, what I want to talk about is not just the whole discipleship. I want to talk about the necessity of wisdom in stewardship. The necessity of wisdom in stewardship. A disciple like unto his master. Last week in Derby, we were talking about Joseph, when we were talking about accountability. And if I move in that direction, I won't get out. But today, we're probably going to shave it looking at David. Not really doing a study on David, but talking about the necessity of wisdom in stewardship. And I've gone through the other preaching I've done because I feel that they lay foundation for what I'm going to say. The necessity of wisdom in stewardship. And I think this is one of the things that we as the church need to be on. We, we are living in a very difficult moment now for Christianity that we have to be wise. We have to walk in wisdom divine wisdom, because there is a devilish wisdom. There is, there is a fleshly wisdom. 
There's a secular wisdom. I'm not talking about secular wisdom. We need secular wisdom for what we do. But in the things that we do, we may want to fulfill divine, you know, work. We may want to fulfill divine agenda by using human method or by using wicked method or by using devilish method, and it's not going to work. And particularly, we are living in a time now that it's becoming so difficult that we have to be able to walk in wisdom. And one of the things I realize in the men, in men and women of God, I mean, and these men that we read in Hebrews chapter 11 and we read in Bible, these are stewards and stewardesses of God. And one of the things you will see about these people is that they are faithful and they are people that walk in wisdom. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I will read the first five verses. 1 Samuel Chapter 18, I will read the first five verses. First Samuel 18. And it came to pass when he, David, made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And Saul took David that day and would not let him go home, go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. And actually, all those three verses, or four verses I've read, I just read them for contest. So here, David has become overnight a celebrity. <laughs> I mean, he was already a good steward for God anyway. Nobody knew him then, because he was already killing lions and bears and protecting things. God was already working in the life of this chap. He was a steward of God's anointing. God's anointing was upon this boy. And understand that he's been anointed as, as king at this point. This is the king in waiting. He was David was carrying something. There was a responsibility that David was carrying. And also he was also brought into a place of, or he was also brought into a place of privilege. Okay, so now he has killed Goliath. And what we see here is that suddenly the son, the, the apparent <laughs> the apparent heir to the throne, Jonathan, suddenly, for whatever reason, his heart was knitted to the heart of this boy. And what we saw them doing here is they were making covenant. Also, the king himself decided that David is not going back home. That David, practically, David was becoming an adopted son of the king. Obviously, before then, he used to come and play for him and go away. But now, it's as if the king, by a fiat law, was adopting David into his household. So this was privilege. But verse 5 is where I'm going. Verse 5. And David went out whithersoever the soul sent him. The next phrase is what I'm after. The Bible says that, and David behaved himself what? Wisely. And David behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and was accepted in the sight of all people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. Listen, this was precarious. Can you imagine, this was a very young boy. Can you imagine a boy of 17, 20 years being set over the men of war? Men that have been men of war. I mean, suddenly this boy was promoted. Suddenly this boy have authority. Suddenly this boy carry power. Suddenly this boy was walking the corridor of power. Suddenly the woman, only God knows why they did it to him. They released a single called David. <laughs> I mean, they've never released a single for Jonathan. No song for Saul. Now they release it. They just got, they just got the life of this boy in danger. Anyway, to be sincere, whether they sang or not, Saul was going to come after him anyway. But that, that poor pair rolled into fire. <laughs> but the Bible says, 
Look, what I'm saying, the picture I'm building is that I've known men and women that have entered into things like this suddenly and it destroyed them. They can't handle it. Hallelujah. They can't handle it. They, they, become, they become pride. They become, their legs become too big for their boots. And they just self-destruct. But the Bible says here that David behaved himself wisely. But do you know why? Because God has prepared him for this post. And that is why I went back to what we've been talking about. It's the same thing with Joseph. Joseph was, I was going to use the same example here. Joseph is the same thing. Suddenly, from the prison, he was in the palace. But no, 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 no. God has been prepared, preparing him. So it was us that thought it was a sudden jump. But in preparation, it wasn't because he was prepared for where he was going. But that preparation was not easy. Not for Joseph, not for David. Okay, so God already prepared him, but it is very, very important here that the Bible says, but David. And he behaved himself wisely. And this is very important. We're going to come back to that if our time will permit us. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. We're going to read Luke chapter 6. We'll just read two verses, even though we could read more, but let's do that. Luke chapter 6, let's read verses 39 and 40. Luke chapter 6, verses 39 and 40. The Lord Jesus spake a parable unto them and said, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the dish? Verse 40. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. I want you to look at that word perfect. The disciple is not above his master. And this is why I'm calling this stewardship and discipleship. We need to understand, when you read the scripture, we need to understand that the foundation of stewardship is what? Discipleship. The reason why David could not self-destruct, the reason why David was able to act wisely and behave himself wisely is because he's been discipled by God himself. The reason why Joseph will not self-destruct when he became the prime minister of Egypt is because he's been discipled on the backside of being thrown into the pit, of the backside of being thrown into the prison, of the backside of being lied about. Joseph was already being trained. David, on the backside of looking after the sheep of his family and being attacked by sheep, I mean by bears and lions, he was being discipled by God. So we need to understand that the foundation of stewardship is discipleship. And oftentimes, and this is very important, God does not commit into my hand, okay, let me put it in a positive way, that God only commit, the degree to which God will commit a stewardship into my hand depends on the degree to which I have been discipled by God. You know, this morning we were talking about the responsibility that comes with promotion. And I was thinking when I was going out there, you see, if that becomes a problem if you are put into that position by fiat, if you've not been trained, Okay, the truth is that if you are put into a place of authority, into a place of responsibility, and you have the skill and the diligence that goes with it, then you are prepared for that stage. In fact, one of your preparation for that stage is to know what to do when you don't know what to do. One of your preparation of being in that place is for you to understand your strength and your weakness, and for you to understand where do I go if I don't know what to do. Nobody knows everything. Even a consultant actually also consult among themselves and say, hey boy, 
I saw a case today. I don't. This one beat me up. This is why oftentimes we are asking God. You see, the problem is that oftentimes we are asking God to commit things into our hands. Oftentimes it's because of what we want to get out of it, by the way, which is not the whole purpose of stewardship, but that by the side for now. But oftentimes we are asking God to commit things into our hands that we are not yet prepared for, or we have not allowed him to prepare us for. We need to understand that the foundation of stewardship is discipleship. And one of the goals of discipleship is impartation of wisdom. Who is a disciple? A disciple is one that has come to be like the master. You've learned the way of the master. You've learned the wisdom of the master. You've learned the, the character of the master. You become like the master. And that is why I read that Luke, chapter 6, verse 40. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be like his master. I, I want to look at that word perfect there. You know that word perfect is very, very important. That word perfect means to adjust. I'm talking about the perfect in the original word. That perfect, he said, every disciple that is perfect will be like the master. That perfect means to adjust, to put together, to restore. And it's interesting, actually, he gives two types of illustration. He said that what perfect means is like when you mend a broken net. Or he said it's also used in medical times when medical people put a joint that has been dislocated and put it back in place. And that is what happened when we are disciples. We are adjusted, we are knitted together, we are restored, our joint is put together, we are repaired, we are mended, the blend that is broken is ready. In other words, God is getting us ready for the work that is going to commit into our hands. And this is the process of wisdom. A disciple is one that has learned wisdom from the master. So the disciple is a disciple who perfectly understands the rules, see the example of his master, will think it, it is business to tread exactly as, as the master's step to do and suffer on like occasion as his master did, and so it will be like his master. So when we want to talk about stewardship and discipleship, we need to look at the master himself because he was the steward par excellence. He said, as the father sent me, so what? Send out you. And you will see how the Lord actually fulfilled his ministry, being accountable to his father. And that is, that is one of the reasons why we are talking about this today, looking at this, looking at discipleship, stewardship, and discipleship. Looking at the issue of wisdom, looking at the necessity of wisdom in stewardship. Now, before I go on, because this is very, very important, you know, this Luke chapter 6, verses 39 to 40 that I've read, Let's go to Matthew. Now, I'm not going to read Matthew, but I just want to show you something. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Because that same, that, same verse was, that same verse was actually repeated in Matthew chapter 10. Now, if you start reading from verse 16, we're talking about Matthew chapter 10 from verse 16. Yep. Yeah? If you start reading from verse 16, there's an interesting thing there that I want to show you. <laughs> this is very important. Now, this thing about the disciple not being like, being like the master is way down. But this is where it starts from. He said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Actually, this issue about, about the necessity of wisdom is because your stewardship is being carried out in a very hostile environment. He said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the middle of wolves. 
And you know the Lord Jesus did not start setting, sending them out the first day. He trained them. He was perfecting them, repairing the net, like we said, when a, a, a disciple is perfected. Putting their, I mean, they have all sorts of joints that are dislocated, especially Peter's mouth was dislocated. <laughs> what about, what about the, the Buanages, James and John? Their fingers were dislocated. They want to punch everybody. Okay, all sorts of things were dislocated in their life, but the master was, was getting them ready. He was discipling them, mending the net, putting the joint back again, training them in the way that they must go. And this is what we do in church, in Bible study, in midweek service and things like that. This is what we do. And what I want you to see here is that this was what necessitated, what the Lord Jesus was saying, that it is enough that the goal of discipleship is for the disciple to be like the master. And I see this in the life of the, 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 the stewards and the stewardesses that we see and read about in the scripture, that these are men and women that have been trained of God, that have received training, and have allowed God to lead them. God was the one that discipled David for the world. And when we read Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 to 51, I'm not going to go there. You know, when he was talking about the servant that the man put in charge of other servants to give them their due in their due cause. He said, happy is that servant. When the master come and find him so doing, he will call him the, the faithful and wise servant. Faithful and wise. So in discipleship, in stewardship, wisdom is very, very important. I would mention that that was what we see David did. And when you go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 11, and I'm going to maybe finish with that in a second, Paul there was praying for wisdom. Because it is necessary. Wisdom, wisdom is also a necessity in our stewardship. Listen to me. Two Christians can be, okay, what, what am I saying? Let's, let's take a Bible example. Look at how Daniel maneuvered and his three friends maneuvered their way in, in, in Babylon. Number one, they said, you have to eat the king's meat. Daniel can say, over my dead body, he will be dead. And I say, well, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. No. I mean, there are times when we have to do that. But oftentimes, we suffer unnecessarily because we don't act in wisdom. And this type of wisdom, I'm talking about the wisdom of God that God gives us. I'm not, I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm not talking about scheming. And that is, that is the problem that we have missed it up. The Bible talks about the wisdom that comes from heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus is our wisdom. God is, God is wise. And God gives wisdom. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God because God is the giver of all wisdom. And in fact, that Matthew that we just read, I know I didn't have time to read down. That Matthew chapter 10, the Lord Jesus was saying when he said, I send you out as, as, as sheep among wolves, he was saying that they will arrest you. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about what you are going to say because I will give you a mouth to speak. I mean, look at Stephen. They, were, they eventually killed him, but God gave him a mouth. God gave him wisdom. And I believe that we need men and women, God, children of God, to be able to walk in wisdom. In our home, wisdom to one another. Not just trying to use you know, the, the, the character and the way of this world. Just, just talk anyhow. So there's a way we walk in wisdom, the wisdom of God. I remember that God enabled me to walk in the tip of that iceberg when I first got born again. My dad was a very good man. My, my dad was a good man. He was very religious, but he didn't like this um, born again thing. This SU thing, he didn't like it. And he came at me, not, not, in, not, not in, a, in a wicked way, but he didn't like it and he let me know. But God gave me wisdom to be able to talk to him because I could talk to my dad. I, 
and, and, and my dad will say things and I will, I will speak a word and it will hit him. You know, you know, oftentimes in church we want power, power, and yes, there's power. But where, what, if you have power and you have wisdom, you will kill everybody. There's a, there's a secular word that says knowledge is power. Wisdom is power. Yes, there's power. But oftentimes we don't manifest those powers because we don't walk in wisdom. The wisdom of God. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. I mean, look at the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate steward. Look at the way he uses word of wisdom. People come to try to confound him and he would say this. In fact, they, some soldiers went to arrest him. They said they should go and arrest Jesus. They came back. They said, where is him? They said, never has a man spoken like this man before. There was a place they came to me and said, what, what, who is this guy? What type of wisdom that has been given to him? And I believe that we need men and women that will work in that level of wisdom. But that level of wisdom will only come as we are discipled by the master. As we allow the master, not, not, not the problem I'm having today is that we are learning the way of the world. And those things works because they work in circular world. But we are using circular system to do the things of God. And, and we are happy with that. But there's a wisdom from God. And this is very important for us as God's children. I think I'm going to end there, but let me just say this. And this is very, very important. Obviously, we can go into, we can go into Bible, I mean, uh, um, secular dictionary and look at what wisdom is. But let me just say this as a write-up. Throughout the Bible, the concept of wisdom is described as insight that leads to living life well. Insight. When God gives you an insight, into a situation. We can call it revelation. When God gives you an insight to lead, that leads to living life that will please God. So somebody said, forming the best plan, and this is, this is when I was looking at the original word that was used for wisdom in the Bible. It said, forming the best plan and using the best mean for their execution. That's wisdom. When, you have, when there's something in front of you that you have to do, you, you, God gave you the best plan and the best means to execute those plans. So I realized that wisdom includes knowledge. You, can, you can't have wisdom without knowledge, but you can have knowledge without wisdom. But wisdom is much more than knowledge. It also includes skill and practice. So you have that knowledge and the ability to apply that knowledge to make a difference. And also... The, the readiness to get your hand dirty. You can see we are going back to what I told you about diligence. And I was looking, again, I was looking at all the Greek words that were used for wisdom. And these are different words that came in. Expert. To be wise is you are, you are skilled, you are expert, you are learned, you are prudent. You are circumspect, you have insight, you can comprehend things, you are intelligent. But listen, you can see that there is that intelligent part of it, but there's, there's also that behavioral part. Wise men are usually very quiet. And we must do this. And that is why James was saying that if any man lack wisdom. And when, when I study the Bible, it must increase my insight. I must increase in grace. I must increase in wisdom. Let's, let's round up. Colossians chapter 1. Let's, let's finish here. From verse 9. Colossians chapter 1. From, and this was Paul praying. He said, for this cause, we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. How? In all wisdom. And spiritual understanding. And this is very, very important. That is not just about learning the story. It's being filled with that knowledge in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. Do you see that? 
that you might walk worthy of the Lord. That is the end purpose. It's, it's not so that I can save my skin, because sometimes, actually, walking in wisdom and spiritual understanding may mean that you have to pass through the shadow of death, may mean that you have to pass through tough times, but you have wisdom. You know that this is the best plan to fulfill the, the will of God. So here, I'm not necessarily talking about escaping hard places, but you know that this is the path. You know that this is the will of God. You know that this is what needs to be done now, and you are doing it. Let's stand up on our feet. And I believe this is what God has called us to. I know time has not permitted us to go deep into how this, but this is what we are doing every Sunday. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. This is what we are doing every day anyway, that we are going to grow. The Bible says the Lord Jesus grew in wisdom and in, and in favor with God and in, with, with man. We have to grow in wisdom. The wisdom that is from on high, as we study the scripture, we grow in God's wisdom. Christ, the wisdom of God. And as, as, as that wisdom is there, we begin to experience the power of God. I, I, I realize that the, 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 the greatest need we have is not power. The power is not, it's always there. It's the wisdom. Electricity is here. Electricity has always been there. Is, can we tap into that electricity? And I believe that that's what has been the problem. And as we begin to understand that this is what we need, we begin to pray for it, we begin to work for it, we begin to wait upon the Lord, and we begin to grow in wisdom. Father, we give you praise. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.